Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Galatians, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Do you understand Jesus gave the greatest gift he could ever give? What was that, Rodney? Glad you asked. He gave himself. He gave himself. And he didn't give himself. Listen, he did not give himself for our virtues. He gave himself, the Bible says, for our sins. He didn't give himself for our goodness. He gave himself for our sins. He didn't give himself for our cuteness. Amen. He gave himself for our what? Our sins. He didn't give himself for our efficiencies. He gave himself for our deficiencies. He didn't give himself for our wealth. He gave himself for our lack. He didn't give himself for what we have. He gave himself for what we have not. You see, sinners need to be rescued, and Jesus Christ gave himself to rescue us. One of the most famous verses in all of the Bible, you all know it, John chapter 3, verse 16. If you know it, would you quote it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. One of the most famous, beautiful verses in all of the Bible. You know, someone once broke this verse down like this. God, are you listening? God, the greatest giver, so loved the greatest motive, the world, the greatest need, that he gave the greatest act, his only son, the greatest gift, that whosoever, the greatest invitation, believes in him, the greatest opportunity, should not perish, the greatest deliverance, but have eternal life, the greatest joy. Isn't that awesome? That is, and it's true, because it's the essence of the gospel. And that is the message that Paul was commissioned by God to preach what Christ did, number one. Number two, why he did it. Look at verse four again in your Bibles. That he might deliver us from this present evil age. Why did he do it? That he might deliver us from this present evil age. Why did Jesus die on the cross Everybody, inquiring minds want to know. He did it that he might deliver us, somebody say it with me, from this present evil age. You know, I was studying and looking at this verse yesterday, and you know what I began to think? I was telling them in the other two services, I began to think, Christ delivered me. January 23rd, 1982, Friendly Church of God in Christ. 
on San Diego Street in Oceanside, California at 7.30 p.m. on a Saturday evening. I don't know how I remember all that. I know how. It was a marked moment in my life. My life changed. You see, all my life, I, that I can remember, I started doing drugs when I was nine years old. Talk about getting ready, going to seminary. <laughs> I started doing drugs when I was nine years old. I'm from Philadelphia originally. And I started, my father's a drug dealer. I don't know my father. Quite honestly, if he's still a drug dealer, I don't want to know him, tell you the truth. I'm keeping it real, that's all. Don't judge me, love me. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I started doing drugs, I was really, really young. And I did drugs through junior high and high school, and I don't even remember junior high and high school. I remember little things and little pieces, but not like I should remember it. But I know that one day, January 23rd, 1982, Jesus Christ delivered me from this present evil age. And I'll tell you something. You can clap your hands for the Lord because I'm going to clap my hands for the Lord. And I'm going to thank him. And I'm going to thank him. And you should too. That he delivered you, you should thank him. And you should be grateful. I often think if he had not, if I had not become a Christian that day, Where would I be today? What would I be doing right now? You think about it. Let it marinate for a minute. What would you be doing? What would your life be like right now if you had not become a Christian? I might not even have a life, to tell you the truth. I honestly don't believe that I would be alive if I had not become a Christian because I was kind of crazy. I did a lot of crazy stuff, too much. I'd keep y'all here all day long. My mother used to say, somebody will kill you. She used to tell me that. But my mother would tell me, not trying to put me down, but she was, I was just nuts. But I guess when you're doing drugs, a lot of things you don't really think things through. Y'all understand what I'm trying to say? Huh? I'm just trying to tell you something. And if, I, if, if Christ had not delivered me from this present evil age, I don't think I would be alive today. What would I be doing? What would you be doing if Christ had not delivered you? And Jesus Christ didn't rescue you. Understand something, saints. He didn't deliver you and he didn't rescue you and deliver you for you to be on your own. No, he did not. He delivered you to be his and his alone. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Not your own. When you become a Christian, Christians, we don't get this. And I honestly can say that I believe, at least from my experiences in various, various countries, I think a lot of people have a better handle on it than we do in the U.S. When we become Christians, when you become a Christian, your life does not belong to you. You have this, this this is by virtue of the terminology, I've given my life to Christ. Can somebody say amen? Amen. All right. You've given your life to Christ. That means that you no longer own your life. That means that you don't have rights. Christians are always talking about, well, I got rights. Well, I got rights. Well, if you're a Christian, you don't have any rights. 
Because your life is hid in Christ, now your life belongs to him. And now you do what he tells you to do. And you go where he tells you to go. And you, and you say what he wants you to say. And if he tells you, I want you to go to India and preach to people that can't even speak your language, then you go and you go in the grace of God and you let God do what God's going to do and watch God get the glory. And all you'll do is stand back and say, God, you get the glory because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. But my life does not belong to me. And we don't get this. You know, when we can become a Christian, we just say, okay, I became a Christian yesterday. Now, today I'm going to do what I normally do. No. Well, now you're a Christian. Now you got to live different. Now you got to think different. That's a toughie. But you can do it. Because you take the word of God and you let God's word transform your mind and transform your thinking. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So now that I'm a Christian, everything's different. We're not the same. Your life does not belong to you. Now your life belongs to Jesus. He rescued us and delivered us from this present evil age. And he did that because of his grace. He did not do that because you were so wonderful. He did not do that because you were so cute and he had to have you. That's what you do when you go to Petco and you get a puppy. You go, I got that puppy so cute, I got to have it, and you take it home. Christ didn't do that. If you know that, say I know that. Oh, all right, good. No, he didn't. Bible says that he rescued us for God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He rescued us from this present evil age. Why, what Christ did, why he did it. And of course, we already answered who he did it for. He did it for you. And he did it for me. According to the will of God and the Father, Jesus Christ. Listen, it is the will of God that Jesus would give himself to rescue us, to whom be glory forever and ever. We just read it. Amen. And then Paul says, look at verse 6, saints. Look at verse 6, saints. Let me see the top of your heads. Look at verse 6, saints. Paul says, I marvel. Now stop right there. Look at me. I marvel. Now, you got to get this. You have got to, you got to get this. Paul the apostle, if Paul says, I marvel, this must be really, 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 really big. Because this is a guy who died, went to the third heaven, came back to life and said, he said, I, I, I saw things in, the, in, in, in heaven that I can't even explain them to you. They were so awesome. Paul had so many awesome things happen in his life and in his ministry that if he says, I marvel, this is a really big statement. So Paul says, I marvel, and what he's marveling at is the fact that they are turning away from grace. Now, the idea is that it hadn't happened yet, but they were on their way of losing their grip on grace. That's the idea. 
This word marvel, if you're taking notes in the Greek language, it literally means to change sides. Are you writing that down? It means to change sides. It means to defect. It means to transfer allegiance. It's used of soldiers in the army who revolt or who, who deserts and they go to the other side. You see, these guys were in danger of becoming religious turncoats or spiritual deserters. And as a pastor, are you listening? You still with me? As a pastor, I have watched people turn their backs on grace. I've seen people time and time again, unfortunately, it happens every day of the week. People come to the church, they come to this church or other churches. I call them grace-filled churches. There's a lot of them that are not grace-filled. But they come to church and, and they love it. They love the fact that they can come to church in jeans. They can come to church in sneakers. You can come to church in flip-flops. I got on flip-flops right now. Did y'all notice that? $2, India. And you can come to church in flip-flops. And, and you can be comfortable. And people like that. You know, they, you can, they, they, they initially they come and they go, oh, this is relaxed. The grace of God is here. There's no pressure here. Man, they don't even take up an offering. I love that church. And people love that. Every time that goes on the air, I say that on the air, I get a lot of emails and a lot of cards and letters. People go, I heard on the radio you mentioned that you don't take up an offering. Is that what you actually meant? <laughs> I kid you not, I can show you them. Is that what, yeah, that's exactly what I meant. We don't take them an offering. People come, they love that. We don't, because we don't want to pressure people. If you want to give, great, put the, put the check in the box. They're on the back wall. But people love that. And, and, and there's a warmth here and there's a grace here. But then after some time, they begin to learn a few things about God and about his word. And then they become religious. This is what I see happen. And they come to me, people come to me all the time, and well, not all the time, but from time to time. And they say, you know, Pastor Rodney, you know, I, I saw a sister, you know, come to church. And last week there was a lady who came to church and she had on, you know, she had a certain dress on. And the dress was a little, Pastor, it was a little low and, you know, it was a little cut right here, a little bit low. And it's just a little bit tight and her heels were a little bit high. And I was just wondering, you know, I don't, I don't think people should be dressing like that. Maybe you might want to address that from the pulpit. And I go to, did you say something? No, I just didn't feel led by the Lord. <laughs> no, I think you just didn't feel led to get, might, might get punched in the eye. That's what I think. But that's my own feeling, okay? But no, I didn't feel led by the Lord. But they look at people when they come in the door, and, they, and, they, and now they're religious because they know a little bit about the Bible. So now they want to judge people who come to the door. You don't know, maybe that girl has never been to church. Maybe that girl is coming to church because something in her life is so bad that she needs Jesus so bad that she's going to go to church and she knows she has on the wrong clothes, but she says, I'm going anyway because I need to get to God. How do, how do you know? How do you know? How do you know? And maybe she does have other clothes and maybe she could have worn something else. But it is not our place to judge people. Listen, God tells us we are not to judge them. We are to love them and let him judge them. Clap your hands for Jesus. We're just to love them. So how do you know? And, and, and this girl's come to church and she's never been here. Well, well, who judged you when you first came to church? Who judged you when you first came to church? 
I mean, you might have come in a shirt and tie and a suit. Well, who, who looked at you and judged you? Who said, oh, well, uh, pastor, you know, there's, there's a brother here and, you know, he, he has a tie on. <laughs> and, you know, he's got like a like full suit on and he's got the button, the, the, even the, t- the top button is buttoned with the tie. And I was just wondering if you like to say something to him. I mean, you know. Well, look, I mean, look around. I mean, not a, not a lot of people in here with a tie and a shirt on and a suit. I mean, if you do, great. But, 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 but who's judging you? Who judged you when you came to church? Nobody. We're not to judge people. We are to love people. We're not to gain knowledge from the word of God. And then all of a sudden we get so spiritual. This is what happens in the church. Go ahead and clap your hands. I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to wait for you. We get so spiritual. And we begin to look at other people and judge other people. Somebody comes to church and they got tattoos. And don't misunderstand me. I, I, this is my opinion, okay? I got mine. You got yours. Here's mine. I, I don't like tattoos. I'm just not a tattoo person, okay? I don't, I don't like them. My, my children even have tattoos. I don't like them. But when people come to church with tattoos, don't judge them. Amen. Amen. And ladies, listen. Let me just say this here for the ladies. Don't get a tattoo. Look, if you're going to get tattooed between you and the Lord, I, I ain't got it. I'm, I'm, I'm just talking, y'all. I'm talking. <laughs> but if you're going to get a tattoo, don't get a tattoo like back. Any, if you know what I'm talking about, help me, please, somebody. Help a brother, please. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, really, I'm serious. I mean, I've seen... I'm, I've seen this stuff where they're getting these tattoos and they're putting them like right there and wearing their pants really low. Ladies, ladies, you don't need that kind of attention. You don't want that kind of attention. Don't get a tattoo like that. But at the same time, when people come in, you know, I have a good friend of mine. He's like almost like a son. And um, I'm going to get on him because I ain't seen him at, I ain't seen him at church today. I'm, as soon as I leave the pulpit, I'm going to chew him out. I'll chew you out in Jesus' name. He got tattooed. Oh, he tat- he's all tatted up. All tatted up. He got tattoos all up his neck and carrying on. I said, what in the world were you thinking? I said, don't you realize you go to get a job? You got tattoo of like a, a, a 50 cal right here or something, you know, and you go to get a job. You can't even wear a turtleneck to cover that thing up. What were you thinking? Well, I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, that was a problem you wasn't thinking. I'm not a tattoo person, but in the same vein, don't judge people. You know, you got the, the piercings and that kind of thing. You know, one thing I love about this church is we try hard not to make an issue of the non-essential and keep our minds on the Word of God and keep our hearts on the Word of God. It's very, very important. Now, don't miss this. Listen, we got to move forward. Don't miss this. The Galatian believers, are you listening? The Galatian believers were not only, watch this, turning away from teaching, but they were also turning away from a person. Notice Paul says you are turning away so soon from him. Did you get that? Who called you. And this is always true. To turn away from the true gospel is to turn away from the person of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that again. 
To turn away from the true gospel is to turn away from the person of Jesus Christ because Christianity, listen, is not just a truth to be learned, but it's a person to be experienced. Write that down. Christianity is not just a truth to be learned, but a person to be experienced. Every other world religion, are you listening? Every other world religion, are you listening? Every other world religion, at the core of that religion is the truth that they want you to learn. You have to learn their truth. Christianity, on the other hand, It is, yes, about truth. Jesus came in grace and truth. He is the truth. He prayed, Father, sanctify them by thy word. Thy word is truth. But even, even along with that, when you become a Christian, it's not just about the truth. It is also about the fact that now you have a personal relationship with God the Father and God the Son who comes to live in your life. And now it's not just a truth to be learned, but it's a person to be experienced. If you know what I'm saying, say amen. amen. That's Christianity. And when you are saved and God has called you, He called you into the grace of God. And that literally means, if you're taking notes, that he enveloped, watch this, he enveloped you into his grace. He enveloped you. In other words, your life was completely covered and refreshed by the grace of God. And how many of you know, when you come and you fall and you're enveloped in the grace of God, it is so refreshing. How many of you know that? It's so refreshing. It's so refreshing. It's so refreshing. It made me think of that nesty. And oh, I'm dating myself, y'all. Y'all remember the guy used to take the nesty plunge? You remember that? He'd come up, ah, so refreshing. <laughs> and that, that's the grace of God. Yeah, are you getting me? That's the grace of God. It's so refreshing. I remember when I first walked into Calvary Chapel, Vista, California. Pastor Brian Brodison, who is Pastor Chuck Smith's son-in-law, and um, we first, first time we ever went there, our first Sunday there, you always know who the visitors are, because all the visitors in, in, in a Calvary Chapel are all dressed up and everybody else is not. I'm the first Sunday we went there. Now, mind y'all, Elvira and I, we came from a black Pentecostal church. So every Sunday I wore a suit and tie, and every Sunday my wife wore a dress, hat, gloves, beads, you name it. I'm talking, and don't and make no mistake, I was sharp. Okay, don't y'all get it twisted. I was sharp. We had to be that way. Anybody know, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. So we walk into this Calvary Chapel, very first Sunday. Because we just felt like we weren't growing in the spirit. Something wasn't right. We weren't growing in the spirit. And people came up to us and they were like, hi, how are you? Nicest people in the world. Hi, how are you? You must be a visitor. I said, well, yes, I am. But how'd you know? Well, you know, we just got to talking. I'm looking around. Our first Sunday, people are in the church. This is our first Sunday. This is Southern California. People got on flip-flops and T-shirts and, and tank tops and shorts. And, and, and I'm, I mind you now, this is not my background. 
And, 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 and honestly, the church was all white. And we were the only black people there. I'm just keeping it real. Y'all know how I do. <laughs> and people had on flip-flops and they had on T-shirts and shorts and all this stuff here. And I said, I told her, I said, honey, we better sit in the back. I said, because this look kind of crazy. I, I said, if, if something jump off, we can get out quick. Because <laughs> you don't ever know. So you, you, better, you, better, you better position yourself right. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Position yourself. All right. <laughs> so I, I said, so we sat in the back. And man, I'm telling you, I have never in all my life been in a church where the grace of God and the Spirit of God was so tangible, you could cut it with a knife. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293 0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.